Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. In this episode, I meet founder and lead instructor of The Order of the Blade, Richard Hughes, in the UK. We discuss fighting, teaching, as well as being the biggest guy in the room and being unafraid to discuss mental health. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live, 9 January 2022. Yeah. All working. All working. Hi. So, welcome to the show, Richard Hughes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, from the Order of the Blade. So, cheers. Um, Thank you so much. You're my first guest of 2022, first podcast of 2022. Um, Could only get better from here, right? That's one way of looking at it. Uh, but I'm really pleased to have you on the show. So, uh, Richard, um, you are the founder and lead instructor at the Order of the Blade, based uh, in the Midlands in the UK. So, first of all, my first question is, how did you get into historical European martial arts? Where did it all begin? Well, I think it begins like anyone else. I mean like any kid of my productivity, let's say you go into a forest, you find a stick and instantly you are a knight. All that's happened since then is I've got older, more gray hair and the sticks are bigger. And I've swapped out a forest for a fencing hall. That's basically it. Long trips between there, but that is the shorter answer of it. Um, for the most part, I got into university and martial arts are practically everywhere, loads of them. And I've always been involved in that field. I've always enjoyed a good scrap. So for me, it was very much a case of getting involved. Let's have a look, see what's available. Now, if for those who haven't met me, I'm six foot 10. I'm not exactly the smallest guy in the world. So trying to find what would be called a fair fight. Yeah, kind of tricky when you can't find someone in your weight category. Mm-hmm. So for the longest part, I drifted towards more weapons-based martial arts, simply because when you've got a weapon in your hand, doesn't matter. If you're six foot 10, you're a bigger target. A knife's a knife and it's going to get you. Mm-hmm. So for me as a martial artist, I very much saw it as a case of weapons increase the intensity. And if I get something wrong, I'm going to get hit. Now, someone gives me a quick knock here. All right, fair enough. We're having a bit of fun. Hits me with a weapon. Now I've got to fix that. I can't survive that all that easily. So weapons became very much a focus of my martial journey, one for a better term. So very quickly drifted towards what was then available to me, which was more Japanese martial arts. Having a background in things like jujitsu, experimenting with bits of like BJJ and all the rest. I've done some Aikido work as well. So for me, it was very easy to access more of the Japanese-inspired martial arts. I then found out about the growing HEMA scene and things just, well, they, well, I'm now running it. Well, part of it, not the whole HEMA scene. That's later. So yeah, it's been one of those um, journeys where 
fa fascination as a child with weapons and wanting to fight all the way through to you're now 31 and you can afford them. Adult money. Adult money. Yeah, that, that weird thing I keep managing to lose all too bloody easily. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what was your, you know, when you started doing HEMA rather than the Japanese martial arts, uh, mm. what was your first foray uh, into uh, European stuff? What was so your first, first weapon? So the first weapon for me was uh, basically I went on to a reenactment group and they just have to have arming swords knocking around. So okay, arming sword, katana's practically a one-handed weapon for me. All right, let's see where this goes. So I ended up just trailing reenactment groups for a while, and I thought, this is actually getting kind of expensive and time-consuming, following around different groups. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I need to set something up, local, and just do the best I can. Mm -hmm. Fast forward six years, it's got a lot bigger since then, um, but I've... From the arming sword, I've gone to everything. So long sword, saber, rapier, dagger, shields of all varieties, pole arms being my my bread and butter, really, if we're gonna be honest. Now, when you're this big, you've got to you've got to reach advantage. You may as well use it by grabbing well, the big thing in the corner there, you know. Absolutely just grab it and go nuts. So for me, starting with arming sword because it was what was strongly used in that field, felt kind of limited because I wanted to experiment with things like long swords and other sort of weaponry. So for me, it was very, very easy just to go, well, I'll set something up so I can do what I damn well please and we'll make it work, right? So that's, that's sort of where I started. But I just, as I said, now we're doing a lot of everything. I mean, I've had a fair bit of experience and I hope to find out more awesome people and more awesome tricks for me to play with, quite frankly. So the Order of the Blade is your baby. Uh, yeah. When did it all begin? So it began, oh God, I say realistic the way as a concept in its current iteration was, began about maybe four years ago. Before then, there was another little pet project that sort of fell by the wayside because I was still experimenting with, with things. Order Blade really kicked in when I realized, you know what, something's here. There's something going on here. I, somehow I can teach. Don't ask me how I'm still figuring that out as we go along. I'll make it up as a goal experience with most of the lesson plans. But the whole notion for me here is I had an ability to teach. There were people who wanted teaching. Oh, I've lost you. Oh, no. I did say this might happen. Right, uh, <laughs> Rich is having uh, connection issues. I've just messaged him on Facebook Messenger. Hopefully, yeah, he's back. Uh, let's try and add him back again. I'm back. You're back. So, uh, four years ago, you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so about four years ago, um things, the groups got bigger and bigger and bigger. I was finding more and more people to teach and I just went, I kind of got up my game again. So, can't just be pissing around sort of doing what I know. Had to commit to doing a bit more research, a bit more study and really bringing what I knew to more 
to a basically more professional edge as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So it's since then it's just the project has got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm not going to moan. It's fantastic for me, like seeing a hobby develop right underneath my nose. Mm-hmm. But it has been challenging to say the least, and is an ongoing challenge. And I'm quite looking forward to see what happens with the rest of it. Mm. So you say it's got bigger. Uh, I know that yeah. you've got, is it five chapters? Yeah, five groups now, yeah. So Loughborough, Leicester, Coventry, Derby and Melton Mowbray. Wow. So that's, we are, again, room for expansion is developing. Um, one of the people I've been training up as an instructor is going to be doing a little bit of work and hopefully taking on one of the groups by himself within the next couple of weeks. So that is, I'm not going to lie, absolutely terrifying <laughs> But the, I mean, for me, it's the ability to give to people who want to learn this sort of stuff the chance to actually have, you know, a place to train. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing when I first started was, where is it? Where, where can I find this stuff? Yeah. And the, the, the sport has grown massively throughout the years, even I've been involved with it. But I've had a very, well, very privileged position of not having much in the area. I've been able just to go where I can. So I did. Everything mm. got better and better from there. Because I remember for the longest time, like, I've been doing this 12 years, and people would say, I'm in the Midlands, where's the HEMA club? And I'd be like, there's nothing there. I mean, maybe Birmingham, <laughs> you go that way. Like, maybe, you know, maybe they do something for you. But, I mean, again, like, big cities is one of the major draws. And if you've got something like KDF, not even exists. But I know their waiting list can be pretty brutal. I mm. don't know how people I managed to. But the, yeah, there's there's Birmingham Hema now as well. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot for the longest time there was just nothing, and now no. five chapters of Order of the Blades. There's yep. like you say, KDF Nottingham. There's Hema Birmingham. It's all, you know, it's spreading. I mean, the Midlands. You've also got things like Wolf's Head over in Lincoln. You've got another club in Leicester, Leicester Long Point. You've got things like, yeah. um, oh God, names Mercy Medieval Group. You've yeah, got, yeah. So, you, you, there's a lot. There's a lot developing. So yeah, it's great for me. Just more people to fight, which end of the day is why I do this thing. And something that you organise on a is it a quarterly basis? Yeah, is, the is the... now is going to be the next plan for next year is the uh, Midlands Muster, yeah. which is a huge. Well, I'm trying to make it a huge sparring day. I've got Jamie McKeever from London Historical Fencing Club coming up to do a bit of the seminar. From what I've heard, I'm going to have to just stop running the show and get involved myself because this, this thing sounds awesome. <laughs> but it's a four-hour sparring day. We're going to start getting guest instructors in. We're going to you know, we have a little five-on-five team melee thing just because it's fun to clobber more people at once. Um, yeah, and it's, it's proving to be one of those events. It started as a... I've got loads of different chapters who don't really talk to each other. So the Coventry lot won't ever speak to the Melton Mowbray lot. And there's people who have come out, but still would happily come down for a bigger event. So it's like, I'll set someone up then. And then all of a sudden I just kicked out to the wider market. And then, well, I mean, the biggest one we had was just before things got weird with COVID and that started creeping up and I think I got about 60 people involved. It was absolutely fantastic. So the hope is this year, we just keep rolling that out and we just keep hosting more and more of it. So how many people have you got on your books? So on the books, I'm looking, it hovers between like 70 and 80 in a week is what I'll see on average. And that covers people I'm training in groups, people I'm teaching privately. So there's a whole 
and that's a growing number. I mean, we've onboarded like three or four more just in the last week, and I know there's more in the system waiting to come in. Mm. So it's growing at a pace which is can be quite terrifying because you're going, I'm actually now responsible for these people's training. Ah, uh, things, yeah. right, do all the things quick. I know how to do my job, I'm, I'm sure. Um, does he? Not really. <laughs> I mean, when you said the 70 people, I'm like, well, oh, that's quite a lot of people. And then I thought, that's just you teaching 70 people a week. That's a lot. Even why it's my job now, because I do job. So that, that, that brings me on to my next uh, question. So you, you, it's rapidly expanded. Mm-hmm. You now, you know, it was your baby, you got five chapters, you've got events, and you made the decision, probably the sensible decision, to make that your job. Yep. How's that going? Fantastic. No, honestly, I mean, really it is for me. Um, it's been an interesting time because I thought, I got to the point during COVID and it was uh, having a rough time myself. And anyway, I just thought, what is actually something I really enjoy doing? This swordplay stuff. Can I make it work? Possibly. Who the chuff knows? It's the cleanest thing I'm ever going to get. So I just went, let's go for it. Let's just crack on. And since then, well, I'm now running it as a job. It's fantastic. For me, even on its worst days when it's hard, you know, you're, you're in the driving seat of giving people a chance when they come home from their own day jobs in an evening to go beat the crap out of each other with swords and have a good time and have a good social and, you know, find like-minded people in the same room and have a good social life and have that sense of community within the group. So I'm just going, that's my, that, that's my thing. I, I, I'm doing this and even on its worst days, it's fantastic. I love it. That's great. That's really, really lovely to hear. Um, a great bunch, great bunch of people. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. See, they come from all different walks of life. You know, you've got people who are, you know, artists, people who are actors, people who are hardcore engineers, people who are teachers. You've got all sorts of different stuff. There's a melting pot of individuals. And they come together and just form this awesome unit of mad buggers who just want to hit people <laughs> with sticks and, you know, grab sticks <laughs> and then suddenly go, wait, the big guy, he's in charge of this. Get him. And they all <laughs> have a damn good go. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're getting far too damn good for their own health. I don't mind. Now, um, my next question is about your teaching and your sort of syllabus structure. Because you're a bit of a maverick. You're a bit of a, Oh, a loose cannon. No, I wanna oh. I wanna talk to you about your your teaching what you teach and your sure. kind of approach to uh the sources. So you've got yeah. quite a unique uh spin on things. So just tell us how you how you teach and what you teach. So I'll start with the, the elevator pitch as you will. Human body moves in a certain amount of ways. Put a sword in it, there's only a certain amount of ways that thing can actually move. Mm-hmm. My, my job is teaching everyone that basis. So no matter what their interests are, they've got a common understanding of weapon violence, effectively. So you put a sword in the hands, they know which the, end the point of it is and how to stick it in that vague direction. When you look at sources, they, you, know, you can get a source that absolutely matches someone's proclivities, tactics, inclinations, weapon interests, you get all of that but the person next to them may not have exactly the same. They may have other interests. And reality is, these weapon systems would have fought each other time and again. You know, people with weapons don't just go, we're all, we're all from the same school. 
let's use this technique against you. No, 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 they're trying to kill each other. But that, that is the whole point of grabbing a weapon and trying to stick them with a damn thing. That's exactly what it's there for. So I try not to lock people down to we're just doing, say, just because I've said his name recently, Vardy's system, not doing Vardy um, solely exclusively for this month. I will try and find the common elements which link because when you look at some movesets, there's common elements no matter where they sit. So certain mechanics and body movements translate between different systems. So for me, I teach the common mechanic. And if someone's got a keen interest in, say, the Italian stuff, here's the Italian stuff, let's go look at it. Or I'll point them to people who I know are really good. You know, mm -hmm. if I know people have got an interest in Sabre, you know, I'll go point them to people like, you know, Nick Thomas, who's a bloody genius with the damn things. And I will just basically facilitate their baseline understanding and then provide them that, that chance to go and fight and learn. Because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, my job as an instructor is to basically make myself redundant. I want my students to be better than me. Mm -hmm. I may be the biggest guy in the room, but I want everyone to be sharpening that sword going, oh, call me in a little. <laughs> of course I do. That's exactly what I want. I mean, I started this because I was trading reenactment groups far too often and not getting a good fight. Mm -hmm. So, or not necessarily the fight I want, some fantastic fighters are reenactment. One guy I'll give a shout out, Tom Goodwin. Bloody genius. He's dangerous up close. And you find he's got a war bow. You just go, sod it, I'll fight him up close. It's easier. But, you know, when, you, when I've got that, and now I can actually facilitate combatants in a room, it's fantastic for me. I love it. I want them to win. I want them to kick my ass. Yeah. It means I want the job right. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, there's some comments going on in here. Liz is saying stuff. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, in about uh, 10 minutes or so, or you can do it now if you like, if you've got any questions for Richard, do uh, add them. There's a button at the bottom of your phone. It looks like a speech bubble with a question mark in it. Just tap that and put your questions in there. Or you can just put them in the comments. That's fine. Um, no questions off the table. Folks. Nothing's off the table, he says. So fire away. If it's really bad, I will delete it. Uh, uh, it's got to be relevant, obviously. Uh, Liz says, the inside spy at LHFC is informed that Jamie's class is going to be awesome. Okay. <laughs> and Jamie says, I'll give you the £10 tomorrow, Liz. Okay. The, the thing is, I mean, obviously, I've heard Jamie's briefing on this, and it does seem like a really interesting class. I mean, as I said, I'm going to be going... I'll say to someone else, man that table, I need to go find out what the hell it's all about. So I'm going to be getting involved myself when I get there. Yeah. So the, is, I take it Jamie's doing a Vardy uh, workshop, is he? Yeah, he is. Absolutely. 45-minute workshop on some basics. Um, Mesospartans are looking at middle play, binding, winding, control stuff. Absolutely fantastic. Having fought the guy, he knows his stuff. So I am absolutely going to find out what the hell he's thinking because I need to know to beat him. Because I do need to beat him at some point. Now, I just want to go back to your teaching approach because this is my so set, satisfy my own curiosity here. You like what it sounds like to me is you you take a person and you go right. You seem to be more towards this fighting in this kind of way. This seems to suit you. So you like take the thing off the shelf and sort of like tailor the source to the person rather than taking all your students and going right this week we're going to study this source kind of thing you're going to go right this is for you this is for you so is that your kind of approach is that how it works for you 
Very similar. I mean, I, I try not to take so much energy and direct people and sort of railroad people down into a path because, I mean... Yeah, um, or just idea... try this, see if this works yeah. kind of thing. I mean, you get some people who very much go, no, I've got my system, I like this, this is me, crack on. Mm. Absolutely. You know, I've got some weapon systems that aren't necessarily in a manual. And so one of my good friends, uh, Fred Hopkins, he's massively into sword and heater shield. Now, there are no manuals for this thing, You've got to go off base mechanics and figure out how it works. But you mm -hmm. see him, you go, yeah, it was definitely a thing. That that is absolutely terrifying. Somebody hand me the pole arm or a bow. Because mm -hmm. it's the only way I can speak that thing at times. So for me, I will have an eye on what they're doing, how they're moving, their tactics. Because some people are more aggressive, so they'll favor other styles. Some people are more naturally defensive, so they'll favor other techniques. They may even need to frog the and different techniques from each other. Mm -hmm. just make something work in their case for me having a grounding level of good understanding of mechanics knowing how you know swords work and sword violence how it interacts binding blocking controlling parrying all this sort of stuff you've got a basis there you can look at a source and go i get what's going on there i can integrate that mm -hmm. the idea is that they i want people to allow their personality to come out when they're fighting so if you have someone who is a bit shy, but then they get involved in combat and something just clicks in the head and they fight like a bugger. You're, you're not necessarily going to know what's making them tick. Now, as an instructor, I want to, because I want to help them and go, right, try this, try this, because I want to see it work with their particular way of thinking. And with some sources, it can be very much, here's a strategy, we're going to dominate this line of tactic or strategy <laughs> at the expense of potential others. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing in those systems, Something like rapier play will absolutely favour point forward and won't go for the heavy, hacky, slashy stuff, which is my bread and butter, by the way, if you haven't noticed. But the whole thing here is very much a case of I'd like to, as you said, tailor it to the individual. Now, that's as much as informed by my insight and my understanding of both them and other sources and other types of weapons, as much as it is by, I found this and it looks cool and they bring me a kopesh, I'm like going, yeah, okay, it's an arming sword with a hook. Let's, let, let's go have some fun and see how this works. Here's the baseline mechanics. Here's some base drills. Let's see how this works. But what you get is then people actively experimenting, actively training, actively learning, and feeling good about themselves as they do it. I mean, I know from an experience, you have a good fight. Mm. You just feel fantastic. You go, I've had that fight. Yeah, that, that, that got me. But everyone has, everyone has that. When you give them the agency to go, I like this weapon. I'm learning this. I'm building this. And it's all about them. And you just go, as an instructor, sat there just going, I want like a red wine, just menacing, swilling, going, oh, you're going to be so good when you figure this out. Because then they're going to turn around and go, I've thought of something you haven't teach. Stand by. I get a tailored on and get knocked 12 ways to Sunday. You know, I, that's what I want. But that's empowering as hell. No matter who it is, if you've done the groundwork, you've put the time in, all I've done is provide the environment and some more knowledge, but they've made it work. And then they go and actually find someone and it works for them. Job done. Absolutely. So that's my whole ethos for teaching. How I do it is very much a case of have a baseline and then go, right, we'll just find out together. We'll run a journey together. My job is to help you through it with some more knowledge, some more skills. If I don't have it, because I'm no expert, I'm just happy to be good at fighting. 
you know, mm -hmm. if there was somebody with a keen interest, I will say, go and talk to that person who is an absolute expert in this field. Go and talk to him. Mm -hmm. Go get there. I'm here to facilitate it. That's my job. So when you say go and talk to that person, are you asking people to, are you asking your students to talk to other students or people outside of the, the order that are in the community? People outside the order, you know, people who have got, you've done loads of research in this stuff. Information, you know, there's so much out there and so much people have learned, dedicated time to. I mean, you yourself have done so much work in this field. You know, I wouldn't ever say that I knew more about rapey than you. I've got no chance. I mean, you practically kicked my ass. Literally kicked my ass at the last muster. Oh, come on. Don't even pretend you're not happy about that. I know you are. There you go. That's what I wanted to see. But the whole thing is, it's like, that's great. You know, when I can turn around and say, look, I can teach you the basics enough that you're comfortable and you can handle it without looking like a complete arse. Now go learn from someone who really knows the stuff. Brilliant. Because they come back and go, I've learned a load of new things. And they feel empowered. Mm. If we're not empowering people, what are we playing at? Mm -hmm. Honestly. So and for me, my whole, my whole teaching is about presenting that to people and giving them that chance to start that journey. <laughs> it, it is. It does sound really empowering. Like when I when I came to the Midland Muster up in Loughborough recently, uh, at the end of November, uh, a couple of your folks came up to me and they said, "Your friend, you know about rapier. I I'm, I want to fight you." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Like, like, okay, I wasn't expecting this, but let me go get kids up and grab yeah, it. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> let me just get my stuff. So it was, uh, it was nice to sort of fight people who want to fight you because they know that you know stuff, um, which is a, it's, it's a huge compliment. Uh, and also, like, it wasn't just a, like it wasn't just a case of I want to fight you and prove something. It was I want to fight you and learn from you. Um, <laughs> It was nice because we had some nice conversations afterwards and they were saying, you know, what can I do better? Why were you getting me here? And what did you think of this? So it was, it was, you know, you can literally see people learning as you go. It's the whole point. We have something within our groups and I like to hammer it in very early when I'm teaching people. It's called, um, we have a mechanism called selfish altruism. And it's a paradox in itself. But the teaching methodology really works. Because let's face it, everyone joins this sport to do one thing, get good at sword fighting. That's kind of why we do it. Mm. But that's a selfish reason. Now, in order for me to get good at sword fighting, I'm going to have, to have opponents that actually test me. Mm. If I don't have that, I've got to help them do it. It's in my interest to help you get better. So when you are better, you are now the grindstone. I am going to grind my damn weapon against until it's nice and sharp. Mm. But then when I'm doing that, and everyone plays this game, everyone in the room is playing selfish altruism through the nose. If they're all there for the same reason, of, I want to get better, but I'm going to help you get really good. So when I need to get better, I've got an opponent. Everyone's mm. playing it game. It works. It is absolutely brilliant to see it. Mm. Iron sharpens iron, as they say. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right. So something that you you just you mentioned earlier on. You're, you're six foot ten. Yeah. I'm five foot two. Uh, <laughs> we had we had a, a scrap and it was fun. Um, Fantastic photo. I still <laughs> I it and just go. Yeah, that that was awesome. <laughs> but as you as you say, like you're 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 fond of saying I'm the biggest guy in the room, and <laughs> it, it, that is never not the case. Um, but if There's you, a you out there, but <laughs> I like to. 
but um, like at, you know if the big if the biggest guy in the room feels comfortable doing something then you said like that gives other people permission yeah. to so, do it this is where i have to give a massive shout out to lewis kirkbride who is from the well he trains at the durham medieval martial arts group and he did a thing back in September, October last year, mm -hmm. or even. Not last year, God, I still need to wake up to 22. Um, in 2020. He, I know. He did this thing where he did the 1066 Battle War. So in full armor, four stone a kit, he's six foot two, and he tromped from Stamford Bridge down to Hastings, 21 days straight. And it was also there just going, you are mad. This is awesome. So I went across from here and just helped him down like Lincoln Police Sleepers Born section. Just, you know, bringing out tray bake of tuna pasta, bake of dago, stick arms, you know, some chow that good bugger while we're driving back. But we had this massive conversation about it because we both had our fair share of mental health battles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the thing that everyone goes through. But it can be difficult, particularly for blokes, to have the space to feel comfortable talking about it. Now, if I can be open and say, look, I'm still having my mental health battles. I am still learning. I am still moving past stuff. And some things I won't ever move past. I'm going to, I'll admit that right now. It's still going to be a challenge to my dying day. But I'm never going to stop trying. I'm going to face up to it. And I'm going to have the courage to stand there and go, yeah, I've got problems. But I'm dealing with them. Now, I do that. There's a big guy in the room who runs five groups and does all the stuff I'm doing. Everyone else under me learning from me in these groups who turns to me as an instructor just gets to go actually you know what yeah i've got problems as well i want them sorted and if you're comfortable to talk about it and i see it i absolutely see it in the groups i mean it's but i'm going it's so heartwarming to have that confidence in people just because you're the biggest guy with a stick just running around like a lunatic but people take confidence in that and that is as i said on the hardest day that keeps it going mm -hmm. uh, and I can't credit Lewis enough for that conversation we had because it has underwritten a lot of how I approach teaching and how I approach building a community with people mm. so for me sword like learning swords is it's fun for its own sake but when people actually get the benefit of you know getting something more out of it they feel empowered they feel like they're getting benefit. They have freedom to express themselves so openly. It's I often say, like, with Hema, you come for the swords and you end up staying for the friendship. Amen to that one. Because, uh, and, and I, I do, have, uh, you know, you're the first guy that I've spoken to about mental health in the Hema community. So far, like, I've done uh, about nine episodes on swords and mental health. If you're listening, go check it out. Um, but all of my um, all of my guests and my co-hosts, we're all women or femme presenting people, um, and you know that's that's I think that's quite interesting, given that women are a, a, and femme presenting people are a minority in yeah. martial arts in general, and we're we're like the only people really talking about it. So I think it's really important for folks like yourself to be vocal about it and be open about it um because as women uh, or people growing up as women we're socialized to reach out to each other and support one another and for guys that can be just sometimes that can just be impossible can't it 
compound that with you're in an environment where you're in a very competitive environment with other blokes all trying yeah. the same thing. Now, I'll admit I'm not a bad fighter. I can hold my own. I don't need to win. All right, if we're going to a competition, like if I'm going to Glasgow in end of February, I have the pure intention of going home and taking out that bloody gold medal. That is my core focus. But I'm not about to be a salty bugger if someone kicks my ass. I'm going to turn around and go, that move right there, high five me right now, you glorious bugger, and just high five the crap out of them. Celebrate that victory with them. Now, if I can take that stance, put myself up and go, yeah, you know what? I've got issues. I'm having problems. Who isn't? And if someone puts around, I'm going to say, you're talking bull crap, mate. Everyone is. Everyone's mm-hmm. fighting the battle on some level. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you know, people, certain demographics get conditioned to reaching out and talking. Now, if you put that same demographic of people who talk to be strong, you know, be the big guy in the room, you know, Christ, I'm not exactly a small guy, I've got like 90 kilos of muscle mass on me for chuff's sake. I'm not exactly a small bloke. But to then turn around and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm having trouble. It breaks that steam because it's so shocking to go, how can he talk about this stuff that Chuffy's doing? It's like, yeah, and so what? Get on with it, you know. Admit you've got problems, but you can deal with it then. It's a long mm. hard process. Everyone's still doing it. As I said, I'll be doing it for the rest of my life, most likely. Mm. It's not. not. You don't run from a fight. You just go rip its face off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you say, you're by like just by your sort of physical presence and being a big guy, you're you're giving people permission to be right. open with themselves, so be and being vulnerable and sharing, you know, their their problems with their friends and getting the support that they need. And just just talking to someone, um, I think, um, you know, someone might sort of look at why the hell are you talking about mental health? This is martial arts, you know. But as I say, um, I, I on this, this realistically. In a martial arts context, when you've got a weapon involved and you are at the limit, you're physically knackered out. Mentally, you've got no technique left. Your brain cannot process how quick these weapons are moving. It's gone on instinct. Your raw reactions, that primal side of you, is now firing off. Mm. That's your truest self. Like that, That's you. Most of us don't necessarily like that or don't know it. Mm. The whole point is, how comfortable can you get with this? Like, how comfortable can you get with who you are and now go beat that person in front of you who's testing you? Martial arts, in any of its forms at good levels, will test your absolute ability to hold yourself out of the limit. It absolutely will. Because you're under pressure, you've got somebody bearing down your weapon in hand, trying to remove your helmet the old-fashioned way. <laughs> If that does not trigger some sort of fear or instinct-driven reaction in you, you've probably got something wrong you need help, mm-hmm. more so than the rest of them. But reality is, a lot of people do have that reaction, and it's challenging. For me, if we can provide that space, I mean, I'm talking we as in like professional instructors and moving this forward into being professionals. If we can provide that space to be open about that, and sod it, a sort mm-hmm. of form of... Percussive therapy, for want of a better term, you know. Percussive learning, I call it. Oh, percussive education is 90% of what I do. Did you get yeah. that right? You've missed that parry. <laughs> there you go. Right, do it again, but better. Common line I always throw out. Yeah. But 
the whole thing is being able to give that space for people, give that room so they feel empowered. And it's that, again, come back, come back to it, empowerment. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I mean, I've got, pe- I've got people who are youngsters, you know, 13, 14, 15, actively working in my groups who train against adults on a regular basis now just because they can hold the own. Like, if, if you had a 13-year-old me a chance to go fight a bunch of adults in the room, I'd have probably ripped your arm off and beat you with the wet end. You know, I couldn't have done it quick enough. I'd be in there. Because there's a certain amount of kudos you get when you do win, and it's on your own merit. You don't have, you know, there's only this social thing with, you're a kid. Because I've got to get some of the people I've been training, I'm, just going, I'm not letting it a little bit off. I'm trying to actually hit you, and you're just stopping me. Mm. It's fantastic. That empowerment for someone that young to go, I can hold my own. Chopping out, it's brilliant. You see their eyes just go, bing. Yeah. And you go, got you. <laughs> it's hugely empowering. And um, I think something else that you, you touched on is, you know, being your true self. Uh, if you, if you want to be able to train effectively and at your best, you mm-hmm. have to be able to trust your training partners you have to Absolutely. you're trusting them with your body your instructor your your really? your your colleagues you're trusting them with your physical form and if you're you know if you're not able to trust them then it's not going to work or for some reason you know things aren't right something's not right so that's you know that's that is where the kind of intersection with mental health and martial arts for me that's where that comes in it's on the basis of trust and it's also that empowerment and yeah. you know you there's no kind of um you're not you're not putting on an act when you're oh. doing this stuff you're just doing it you're being you you can't you. you know you can't have your shopping list going in your head or trying to be someone else you're just fencing you're just it's doing so the thing that you do did i get that chicken out the oven i don't know you know you can't you can't have that space because someone is bearing down with you with a weapon mm. your tent isn't fully on it you're either not fighting high enough up the food food chain or you're not taking it seriously about to get injured. I mean, I come from a jiu-jitsu background as well, so I'm used to having my body literally being bent into weird shapes. Mm. For other people's either entertainment or learning, probably both, in all fairness. But it's exactly the same thing. Martial arts of any breed, you put your body on line for the other person across from you. I mean, this is where, I mean, I know it's a heavily ritualized thing, particularly in Japanese martial arts, but the bowing to each other before and after technique. What is it? You say, I'm happy with you using me. Is mm. your target is, and the other person's barrier is thank you for allowing me to do so. Mm. I make a habit of saluting either before, after, and during when I see a particularly good thing. I'll sometimes put the weapon around and go, "Yeah, come on, high five that, high five that right now." Yeah, absolutely. Just, you have to have that baseline of respect, and if that and goes, said it gets dangerous very yeah. quickly. And just checking in with each other, like, "Are you happy with this?" You know, uh, I, mean, I mean, I've put some heavy hits into people, and the first thing I've done is gone, Chuck, you okay? That was mm-hmm. heavy, that you know, just checking they were all right. Because it just mm-hmm. like, remember to go, oh, yeah, he does actually care. That was just a heavier hit. You know, cool. And I mean, again, I'm not exactly a small guy. I can hit hard, quite hard. The whole notion for me is when I'm checking someone, I'm going, look, was that the right power level for you? Do I need to turn it down? Can I do with ramping it up for your sake? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've been frozen again.
No. waiting for Richard to rejoin and then we're gonna wrap up because I've got a dash off shortly um, he should be with us any minute now if you want to squeeze in a last minute question now's the time to do so uh, whether it's about learning martial arts whether it's about mental health please feel free to add a question while we wait for Richard to rejoin. Um... While we're waiting, ah, here he is. There is an absolute reason I teach violence rather than use tech, and this is exactly the point. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Wizardry isn't our thing. Um, so, just to wrap it up, um, talking about mental health uh, openly, uh, it can only do uh, good, because like we were saying uh, when we had our little call earlier, mm. we're not just fighting people we are building communities and strong healthy communities communicate um it's what it has to be because it's the only way something this intense and this active where you put a lot of trust in other people's ability and their general care for your well-being mm. it's the only way it's i i mean if you get people with get people in the sport with the intent of bludgeon the crap out of each other mm. it's survival it just it's not going to not without a serious amount of protective kit mm -hmm. or prohibitive as hell entry requirements just to even get in you know there's a chance here to really make this a thing and i'm so privileged to be on well one of the people leading that and seeing it within my own groups and being able to propagate it out is one of the best things i've done in my life can't be happier um thank you so much for coming and talking to me today richard Oh, thank um, you very much for having me on. It's been brilliant. Um, best of luck with the order. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> what you do in the next year, uh, and I look forward to <laughs> I look forward to coming to one of your next musters. It should be fun. Absolutely, It'd be great All to right. have you. Take care. And you have a good evening. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page 
by the sword.